Live from New York, it's Ask an Engineer. Hey everybody, welcome to Ask an Engineer. It's me, Lady Ada the Engineer, with me, Mr. Lady Ada on camera control and soothing. We've got an exciting show for you tonight, about one hour of all the latest news and products and videos and guides from the maker community uh, and Adafruit. So let's kick right into it. What's on tonight's show, Mr. Lady Ada? On tonight's show, the code is CALBELCAN. You'll see why in just a few moments, 10% off in Adafruit. Store all the way up to 1159 p.m. Adafruit Live, we do a bunch of live shows. Just wrapped up show and tell. Thank you, JP, for doing that. And then we've also got Desk of Lady Ada. We'll do a little bit of a highlight, recap, and more, including the great search. We got JP's product pick of the week. A little bit of news. We're celebrating a big number here at Adafruit. Some made New York City factory footage. We've got some 3D printing, some fun top secret. We've got new products. We've got questions. We answered them over on Discord. <laughs> and uh, it's adafruit.it slash Discord. And you can uh, post those up at any time. All that and more on, you guessed it. Dun, dun, dun. Ask an engineer. All right. Hey, lady. Well, um, it's for the folks who can hear through the noise canceling microphone. Um, all of our childcare situations. Uh, there's no, there's no, there's no babysitter strong enough for our baby. So um, they usually they break. Um, you know, we found her. They run away screaming. We found her from this Krypton uh, thing that hit. So she's super baby. Um, so, anyways, uh, we try to do our best here. So if you hear some squeaks and whatever, if I have to go off screen for a second, that's the reason. It's just her getting frustrated because she can't leave VI. I mean, we have stuff to get. <laughs> Uh, yeah, you decide what animal she wants by kindergarten. Okay. okay. Well, yeah, we have some free stuff. How about I get a free stuff? Yeah. Uh, okay. We've got free Uh, $99 or more, you get a free triple proto hotspot breadboard. Uh, these are our, uh, gold-funded PCBs that are the same size and shape as a half-size solderless breadboard. So they're great for taking, uh, your projects and making them solderful after them being soldered less. Uh, 149 or more, we still have the KB2040s, but note, we have run out of the pink version of the PCBs. That's right, we're back to Adafruit Gothy Black, uh, which you'll still love because it's an RP2040. It's got uh, two buttons, Stemma QT, castellated pads, eight megabytes of flash, USB Type-C, and it's Pro Micro Pinout compatible. And then 199 or more, you've got free UPS ground shipping in the continental United States. We ran out of circuit playgrounds of all sorts, and so that's why we don't have the 299 freebie. But they'll come back as soon as we get more SAMD21 chips. All right. Uh, we do a live series of shows. We just did um, show and tell. We did not get a chance to see it. I have no idea what was on the show and tell. So that's what I'm going to be doing right after the show. So watch it. Uh, we'll be back hosting next week, 7.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Well, JP shut off his Elkar stuff, I'm sure. Maybe. Maybe. I don't know. Mystery. You know, you know what's <laughs> nice? It, um, because like we're so dialed into all the Adafruit stuff all, all the time, constantly, always. It's actually nice to be surprised. It's like, oh, I, I have something to look forward to. I didn't see the show until this week. Well, thank you, JP, for hosting. All right. So every single week we do from the desk of Lady Ada. This is where um first part is from Lady Ada's desk. What was yes. that? Well, I've been redoing a bunch of my old designs. I will talk about that shortly in the um, special graphics and time travel. Then um, some of the designs I've been redoing are some seesaw boards that were originally SAMD09 based. 
And then maybe ATtiny817 based. And now I'm moving to ATtiny816 because that's the chip I can get the most of. Um, so I showed off the breakout boards and then this cool ANO rotary encoder. Uh, it's like a rotary encoder nav switch. So it's got up, down, left, right, and center. And it's kind of like a classic, like the original iPod uh, scroll wheel. And it's very cool, but you need like 8,000 pins to connect to it. And so I made a little breakout board that has uh, Stem IQT connectors. So you can use I2C and get the up, down, left, right, center, and rotary encoder um, all over I2C. And you can have up to 16 of them. Um, which maybe Liz will do a project where she has 16 of these ANO rotary encoders. All right, then we do the great search. This is where Lady Ada uses her power of engineering to help you find something on the digikey.com site. Lady Ada, what did you try to help people find this week? This was a write-in request. So we had someone uh, write in and say they wanted to find on-off latching switches that were illuminated, that had an LED background, um, to, so they could tell whether the device was on or off. And uh, they said, you know, Adafruit stocks them, but I want to find them on DigiKey. I know they have them, but like, how can I find them? And finding panel mount switches that are momentary versus latching, it's a little confusing because they use like parentheses to differentiate it. And it's like, mom, and is it like, is it your mom? Is it Mother's Day coming up? No, that's momentary. So I go through all of those settings and features and details and the different kinds of illuminations you can get for um, panel mount switches. And I select a couple good options. Okay. And then um, we have JP's product pick of the week, and that's where JP broadcasts live from the product page directly, and you get a discount without even having to put a coupon code in the cart or store. So here's this week's highlight. It is the 1.54 inch 240 by 240 IPS TFT display with micro SD breakout. And I spy connector. Got a um, little lo-fi hip-hop girl uh, action and her cat uh, playing on there. That's the GIF uh, running with direct blitting to the screen. So really nice and smooth. Uh, you can see the beautiful colors and resolution. A gorgeous looking display. And as I mentioned, viewing angles. Wow, look at that. Even at indirect oblique kinds of angles and, and dead on. It all looks really good. Uh, that's my product pick of the week this week. It is the 1.54 inch 240 by 240 IPS TFT LCD display breakout with iSpy and micro SD card. And don't forget JP's workshop is on Thursday and on Fridays we have deep dive with Tim and you can learn all about the innards and more of CircuitPython. Time travel. Let's go back in time. Actually, uh, not exactly back in time, but it is in current time. It is in current time. So for time travel this week, we wanted to talk about a time when this baby will happen. So we have a neat poster that we wanted to debut. This is um, 300 Rise of the redesigns from the creator of Minty Boost 300. So the reason why we wanted to have this is we're celebrating 300 redesigns and Lady Aid has been doing this uh, for a while. Um, it's been like a year. Since, it's yeah. been almost, I, I sent you like this, the daily update, because we haven't been one design uh, per day, but essentially with the chip shortage, so many components got discontinued and then re-discontinued and then swapped and regulators I couldn't get, MOSFETs I couldn't get, Chips that could have been. <laughs> Baby, it's, yeah. it's, it's been a day. 
<laughs> so I've been redoing almost every board that we've had here at Adafruit, um, whether it's swapping out chips, uh, changing them to RP2040, ESP32s, um, what have you. Uh, even like uh, NeoPixels uh, changed versions. We can't get WS2042, so changing over the SKC6812s instead. And um, yeah, I, over the weekend I hit 300 designs, so I was like, I want a cupcake and a poster. And I haven't gotten the cupcake yet, but mm. uh, we do have a poster. Okay. All right, so uh, let's go over to uh, Python on hardware. It'd be interesting to see how that goes. Okay, this week, Lady Ada, um, we have the new, I guess, announcement. Of, this is Ada. This is fresh. This is like hot off the press. Hot off the press. Yeah. So what is this? What's going on? Okay. Um, so, uh, CircuitPython, sorry, MicroPython just released, it's like 1.20, um, 119 was what CircuitPython, I think, was caught up to. Um, so the big changes, it looks like, is there's a new micro package manager, which is actually pretty neat. So, in MicroPython, you can install, if you have a Wi-Fi capable MicroPython chip, like the ESP32 or the Pico W, um, you can use it to, like, download packages, like, from within the microcontroller, you don't have to, like, drag and drop files, because especially for the Pico W and for the ESP32 and 8266, there is no um, native USB, so it's very hard to drag and drop files. So this is a way to like download them um, over the interweb. So can I go over here and click? Yeah. Okay, and then I can scroll. Yeah. Um, there's also a bunch of, there's a lot of updates to the internal core, Pico W support, um, a lot of like, it looks like a lot of bug fixes. I mean, I, I kind of read the beginning of this. Um, looks like there's more, uh, MIMXRT, so that's the um, RT10 and 11XX series uh, used in the TNC4 and also in our um, Metro uh, IMX board. Um, I think also they're working on, wow, there's a lot of updates. Um, STM32 support now has the Arduino Giga H7, which is that new Arduino board. SAMD port now has more hardware support. So yeah, like a lot of stuff came in and uh, looks like JavaScript and Zephyr got updated. And I think they're working on Bluetooth low energy support for the Pico W as well. So this is this is pretty cool. So the core changes, not the ports changes, but the core changes will be integrated into CircuitPython probably in the next couple months. We try to keep in pace um, so that when we make fixes, we can submit them upstream, which is very handy. Um, so look forward to trying that. I'm mean, also kind of excited to see as we're adding ports like um, IMXRT, or they're adding ports that we support SAMD, um, there'll be maybe more uh, cohesion in um, the API interfaces. We'll be able to share code back and forth, especially with the SAMD port, because we did the peripherals pull apart. Um, don't know if they're using it, but they should. Okay. And then um, other bits of news, if you check out the um, newsletter this week, PyCon um, in US right now it's happening so, yeah today so salt lake city utah catney is there jepler's there and they also announced da, 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 where it's going to be for the next couple of years so pittsburgh pennsylvania maybe we could actually go to one um but you can check out uh what catney's up to sprints are going on april 24th that's you know yesterday all the way up till today and then you can check out the discord channel with uh, circuit python dev if you want and then we posted up a bunch of videos at a time yesterday to get some of the uh, Feather DVI stuff. You can see yes. what Lady Ada was working on. We have this turtle demo. Um, 
and just a whole bunch it of stuff going on. It also works with uh, the DVI Pico, which is coming soon. I think you posted the video. It works with the Pico W, so you can do Wi-Fi and HDMI monitor output at the same time, which is super neat. Yep. All that is available on, you guessed it, readitproofdaily.com. We deliver this newsletter every week. So get there. We don't spam. We don't do anything with your email addresses. It's a completely separate site just to prove how serious business we are about privacy and more. Okay, we are an open source hardware company. To prove it, we have thousands and thousands and thousands of guides. Media, what is on the big board this week? And I'll okay, let's flip over. Thank you. Um, okay, so we've got a bunch of new guides and updated guides. Um, Noah and Pedro are in um, New York this week, so they didn't do a video uh, or 3D Hangouts. Uh, this week because they're traveling and they're going to be at the Open Source Hardware Summit. But they did publish a guide uh, over here. Um, it's a case for the Feather RP2040 USB host. Uh, handy because, uh, you know, a lot of times you're going to use it as a dongle, so you just kind of want it hanging in between two USB cables. You want a nice little case just to keep it safe. Uh, Simon Monk, who sells the uh, Monk Makes Plant Monitor um, that works with the Microbit and uh, MicroPython, I think also Arduino. Uh, did a guide on how to use it with CircuitPython, which is very handy. Um, while it's like micro bit shaped, uh, you can still use it with boards like the Circuit, Pi Circuit Playground Express and Bluefruit. Um, we've also got a guide, <laughs> this is reversed, um, from Trevor on using Foglider. Uh, this is our app for iOS and Android that allows you to send files, send files wirelessly to uh, Wi-Fi and Bluetooth connected microcontroller boards that are running the file glider circuit Python core, which is super neat. It means you can like um, edit and move files around for your circuit Python boards without needing a USB cable at all. And then uh, the really neat project this week, this, the star of the, the guides um, is the WeatherWise Wi-Fi umbrella stand. So this is like a classic um, media lab, a micro media lab project. And I was like, we have enough technology that this can be a beginner project now. It's an umbrella stand that lights up and tells you when it's going to rain. So as you're leaving the house, your umbrella stand will tell you, hey, um, the weather forecast says rain today. Don't forget to grab your umbrella before you leave the house. And Aaron did a really good tutorial. We're going to play the video right now. Hi, I'm Erin St. Blaine for Adafruit. And for this week's project, I'm building a light-up umbrella stand. This is a Totoro-themed umbrella stand that knows if it's gonna rain. And if it's going to, in the next six hours, it lights up to remind you to bring your umbrella. Wi-Fi-enabled umbrella stand that checks the weather for you and lights up if it's gonna rain. Place it by the door and you'll always remember your umbrella. This tutorial uses a Raspberry Pi Pico W and a NeoPixel strip. There's a full tutorial at learn.adafruit.com with code samples and everything you need to get started. We're using a Raspberry Pi Pico W and a strip of skinny NeoPixels. You can also pick up some clear heat shrink and silicone stranded wire from the Adafruit shop, as well as a USB cable to power your project. Finally, get some DevCon silicone glue to glue the pixels to your umbrella stand. Step one, we're gonna install our software. Plug your Raspberry Pi into your computer and a drive will appear called RP1, RP2. If it doesn't, try plugging it in while holding down the boot select button. Head to circuitpython.org and download the latest version of the software. 
drag the UF2 file you downloaded to the RP1-RP2 drive to install CircuitPython. If your install is successful, the drive name will change to CircuitPy. Click on this drive to take a look at the contents. One of the files at the root of the drive is called settings.toml. This is where we'll put in our personal credentials. Open this file with a text editor and enter your Wi-Fi network name and password at the top. Next, we'll need to add our Adafruit I.O. key. Head to io.adafruit.com and log in with your Adafruit name and password. Click on the yellow key to find your username and key and enter them into your settings file as shown. Save the file in the same location once you're done. Next, head back to the guide and download the code bundle. Find the version that matches your CircuitPython install. I'm using version 8. Copy code.py and the lib file to your CircuitPy drive. To customize your code, open code.py in a Python editor. I'm using Moo. Enter your latitude and longitude at the top. You can also customize the light color and the number of pixels here in the code. Once you're happy, save the code to the root of your CircuitPy drive as code.py and you're up and running. Once you've got your software up and running, it's time to assemble the electronics. Cut a red, black, and white wire to about four inches long. Strip the ends and twist them so they're tidy. Solder the red wire to VBUS, the black wire to ground, and the white wire to pin GP0. You can see a full pinout diagram on the Adafruit website. Count out your pixels and cut your strip to length. My project uses 30 pixels. Trim the wires so they're even and strip a little bit of shielding off of each one. Before I solder, I like to strip the ends of the wires and tin them, and then trim them again so they're about a sixteenth of an inch long. Also tin the pads on the NeoPixel strip. This way, it makes it easy to connect the wires because you don't have to hold solder since both pieces already have solder on them. Slide a clear piece of heat shrink over the pixels before you solder so that we can seal them up later. Solder the red wire to the plus pad, the white wire to data in, and the black wire to ground. Remember these strips are directional, so be sure you're soldering to the in end. Check for little arrows on the strip to make sure that they're going in the direction of data flow. If you're new to soldering NeoPixel strips, we have a beginner guide at learn.adafruit.com. I'll put a link in the description. Plug your Pico into power and wait a few seconds for the Wi-Fi to connect. The pixels will light up for just a moment to show that everything's working. If it's not, head over to the guide for some troubleshooting tips. Seal up the ends of your strip by squeezing a little hot glue inside your heat shrink and then shrinking it down over your solder joints. This will encase your joints in glue and make a waterproof seal for your strip. Be sure to do both ends. Test your strip one more time. If everything's working, it's time to build the base. Now that you've got your pixels lighting up, let's build the umbrella base. For my umbrella stand, I'm using a large glass jar and the black plastic frame from a round mirror that I found at the thrift store. The base doesn't quite fit around the jar, but it's close enough that a little work with a Dremel and a heat gun can make it fit. I also cut a slit for the USB cable using my Dremel. I glued the Pico and the USB cable into place using hot glue. And for the pixels, I used DevCon silicone adhesive. 
Not very much will stick to these uh, silicone sheaths, and this is the best kind of glue that I found for this. I also ended up using the same Devcon glue to glue the base to the glass jar. It makes a nice sticky residue that, uh, that will stick to just about anything. So uh, trying to stick the glass to the plastic, this stuff worked fantastic. I left a little strand of lights at the end that will fit inside my Totoro. Finally, I added a 3D printed Totoro figurine, slipping the end of the Neopixel strip inside to make him glow. And to finish it off, I added a vinyl sticker that I cut on my Cricut vinyl cutter to bring the whole project together. See the full build tutorial at learn.adafruit.com. And remember to subscribe for more fun project videos. Thanks for watching. And here's some factory footage. our factory footage all right for 3d printing this week we have a speed up and it's one of i think our best speed ups we've ever done because i am a fan of figment so if you know figment from epcot this is for you Okay, out in PI, brought to you by Digikey Native Fruit. This week, Lady Ada, what is it? It's Sciosense. Sciosense makes sensors, and this is the first time we featured them, which is pretty exciting. So let's get right to it. This is the ENS-160. The ENS-160 is Environment Sensor. I think that's what the ENS stands for. And it's their latest model. Um, this is not the first time they've done a gas sensor. Um, these are the specs for this one. It's a multi-gas sensor. Um, it's got I squared C SPI. We'll go into all this and it gives you uh, air quality, TVOC, effective CO2 output. Um, you might be like, hey, CyroSense, didn't they make that other sensor, the CCS 811 and the 801? Yes, they did. Um, this is a very popular air quality sensor slash gas sensor. I think this was actually one of the first um, like all-in-one embedded I squared C mock sensors. 
um, and we carried it for a very long time, but uh, as of a few months ago, it's been obsolete and discontinued. So you can't get the CCS811 um, because the, as you see here, the ENS160 is considered um, the uh, next generation. So this is what you would um, upgrade to. So traditional mock sensors um, used to look something like this. It's actually from a guide um, that we have on Learn. So on the top left, actually the bottom left is kind of this orange tubular sensor. And a lot of people who've used gas sensors, MOX sensors, um, they've looked something like this. There's four pins and they're in a container and then you like breathe or have uh, air flow through that top mesh. And inside is the gas sensor. The above the little um, metal rectangular version with all the dots is, is a miniaturized version that doesn't it doesn't have as big of a container but it's the same idea which is um you have a heater and uh the heater heats up the um mox sensor which is a doped silicon chunk and the silicon is doped in a way that when um organic volatile compounds like ethanol or methane get near it or blow by it the resistance changes um so this is what you know a lot of uh mox sensors look like um and for these you'll notice there is um a, a transistor and next to it is actually there's a resistor nearby and the resistor is used to control the heating element so on these mox sensors you'd actually have a microcontroller um control i think like the end pin is is what's connected on this breakout you turn on the heater you wait a while you do the reading and you turn the heater off um and this is a little clumsy because you need an analog digital input and you need a lot of power and you need to control the heater and like manage the heater because you don't want it on all the time or you could like damage the sensor um, so this is a this is a diagram of the ccs 801 this is like the original um mox sensor from um uh Sciosense. and you can see they've got um integrated is the heating resistor rh and the volatile organic compound sensing resistor rs um and then what they've done is they've merged these two elements with the external control which is a heating controller and then an analog digital input converter and then a calculator and that's actually kind of the magic because in the ens 160 you've got four uh, it's really cool like rendering you've got four elements uh, you can see in the explosion diagram to the right um, each one of them has a separate heater and each one of them is slightly doped differently um, and by taking the four readings and they perform whatever calculation, they can get a better sense of the effect of CO2 and the total volatile organic compounds. Um, so this is the ENS160. It has I2C and SPI interfaces. Um, and, you know, you don't have to like, you can you know, manually control the heater and get the raw resistance readings. But in general, what you do is you just say, hey, turn on and give me like the effect of CO2 in the TVOC. And it does all that work for you. Um, and it even handles the baseline calculations, which is something that if you were manually controlling the MOX sensor, you would have to do by hand. Um, so this is how you connect it up. The only thing to watch for is it does require a 1.8 volt um, power supply. So you can use a VDIO of 3.3 volts, but you do have to supply at 1.8 volts for the power, um, which makes sense because it has this heating element that you, know, you don't want to have a high voltage. Um, or you have a significant amount of current you're going to need. 
the three outputs that you're going to get from the sensor, you can get the raw resistance readings, but um, in general, what people want to get is the TVOC or the effective CO2 or what they call the AQI reading, which is just a, a generic air quality reading from one to five that tells you like how good is the air, what one is the best and five is, you know, open a window. Um, and um, what's nice about these readings is again you don't need a binary blob you don't need to do the computation on your own it just sort of like pops out of the sensor automatically um one thing to note is you know because we've covered co2 sensors before on INMPI is this is a eco2 sensor which means effective co2 it's not a true ndir sensor and they do compare in the data sheet you know here's ndir outputs versus um this sensor and the effective co2 output in their opinion, because you get volatile organic compound readings as well as effective CO2, it's better at measuring like air quality, but it wouldn't be what you would use if you're actually trying to measure just CO2. So if you're if you're like trying to measure CO2 for um, outdoor environmental tracking and you're not you don't care about like air quality for humans as much as like you're maybe doing it for plants or you're doing it for industrial purposes, this sensor is not going to give you like true CO2. But for, you know, here, you know, bathrooms, bedrooms, kitchens, offices, it's going to do a really good job. And, you know, they did compare for most purposes um, indoors for humans. The effect of CO2 is pretty much the same as the NDIR CO2. Again, it's not if you're not dealing with just humans and indoor office spaces or homes, um, but it's going to be a lot cheaper and use less power than an NDIR sensor. Much, much cheaper. Um, another thing to note is uh, MOX sensors, mock sensors, even though this one has four elements, they don't sense individual gases. So you can't, for example, ask it, hey, how much ethanol versus methane versus toluene are you measuring? It's going to give you like the sum of all of them and um, have different effective reactions to them, but you're not going to be able to tell if you have mostly methane or mostly toluene. It's going to tell you total volatile organic compounds. Um, one nice thing that they've added to the ENS 160 is now you can do temperature and humidity compensation because that resistor, uh, that doped silicon resistor that measures um, the effect of CO2 in volatile organic compound, that is going to be affected by humidity and temperature. Like the higher the humidity, um, the higher that resistance and it's reacting to the humidity, not to the organic compounds. And so, you know, this is something that um, you'll notice, especially with uh, like alcohol, ethanol sensors. If you're breathing into it, your breath is just humid enough that it could set off the sensor, even if you not necessarily, don't necessarily have ethanol in your breath. So um, humidity and temperature compensation is important. And you would need a separate temperature and humidity sensor. Um, SioSense makes one that they suggest, but honestly, any humidity and temperature sensor will do a fair job. And they've got code as well. So on their GitHub, there is the uh, SioSense ENS160 Arduino driver. It's got um, examples and code for I squared C. Uh, I haven't used this sensor with SPI. Don't know if it actually works with SPI, um, but it definitely works very well with I squared C. And if you want to get started quickly, we've got a breakout board. Um, part number 5606, which is available at DigiKey. They've even got 150-ish in stock right now. 
it comes with a regulator and level shifting. So you can only, uh, you can get away with just providing it with three to five volts. You don't need to do the 1.8 volt level shifting for regulation. Okay. And then, uh, and they're in stock. They're in stock. Hundreds of them, almost a thousand. Looks like I bought five uh, from their initial stocking, but they've got the NS160 in stock right now. Um, it is their first mount. They also have an eval board, but you know, honestly, I'm I'm going to promote the Adafruit breakout because it's in stock at Adafruit at uh, DigiKey right now. All right, and they have a video. So we're going to play the video. That's right. Let's see the video. We feel it on our skin, in our lungs. It's always there, and we need it. The air that surrounds us. But it can be dangerous because humans and their innovations create pollution which degrades air quality. The problem of air pollution caused by both outdoor and indoor sources is far from being solved. It represents the single largest environmental risk to health globally. Air pollution causes 4.5 million premature deaths each year. Some air pollutants are two to five times more likely to be found indoors than outdoors. They come from various sources, including furniture, cleaning products, cosmetics, paint, and human respiration. The World Health Organization advises that prolonged exposure to volatile organic compounds, so-called VOCs, can cause severe health risks. Also, poor ventilation in confined spaces is associated with increased risk of infection with airborne viruses. We cannot see these dangers suspended in the air, but our sensors make the invisible visible. SioSense designed an innovative technology to ensure the air we breathe indoors is fresh, safe, and clean. Our sensors detect hazardous VOCs and unpleasant odors. They track air quality and humidity levels in indoor air to guarantee health, safety, and comfort. SioSense environmental sensors combine perfectly with any ventilation, purification, or air conditioning system. Together, they make sure that fresh air can replace polluted or stale air. A perfect marriage of nature and science. Sensor technology which restores the air you breathe to the way nature made it. Sciosense, sensing tomorrow's world. All right, before we go on to new products, the code is CALDOPAN. 10% off the native food store, all the way up to 11.59 p.m. tonight. Let's kick it, Lady Aiden. All right, first up for new products, we've got a lot of revisions because as we mentioned earlier in the show, I've got those 300 revisions that I've done. This is one of them. So this is the um, USB Ultimate GPS. It's our Ultimate GPS module, but it comes with a USB to serial converter chip already on board. Um, so the change that we've done for this version is we've now exposed the PPS pins, that's pulse per second, which is used for um, precision timing needs. Like if you want to create an NTP server or um, you want to synchronize a bunch of things and you want that pulse per second um, output. Um, before I had it tied to, I think like the ring indicator, but it was confusing for people and difficult to use. So now it's just available as a GPIO. Otherwise it's the same breakout. We recently revised this also to use USB-C um and uh, cp2102 so it works with like pretty much every operating system it has an internal antenna and also an external antenna is possible using the ufl connector we also have another revision for the led matrix 
Um, this is a shield that goes on an Arduino. Originally, we designed it for like the Arduino Uno or the Metro 328, but it does work on the Metro M4 and the Metro M0. Um, the revision is that we now have it um, partially pre-assembled. So instead of it being like a full kit where you have to solder in the two by eight header and the button in the terminal block, um, the terminal block, the 2.8 header and the button come pre-soldered, you still need to solder on the header to connect it to an Arduino, but it's a lot less work. And, uh, you know, you don't have to worry about maybe getting the um, RGB connector in backwards. Um, another revision we've got is the AS7341, the multi-spectral sensor. So this um, is an 11-channel spectral sensor used for people doing scientific sensing. Um, it does more than just RGB. It does... Um, Near IR, 415, 445, 480, 515, 555, 590, 680, and 683 nanometer sensing. Um, the change we made is originally we had um, the LED is just connected, the on LED is connected just directly to the 3 volt power. But some people said, hey, that's actually you know messing up my sensing because I'm not using the white LED. And so we added a uh, cuttable resistor on the back. Uh, so you can cut that resistor and now the on LED won't light up. For new products, we've got um, for the motorized potentiometer, um, the motorized potentiometer we put in the store earlier has capacitive touch built into the knob, but to use it, you have to use conductive knob. So this is a conductive plastic knob that works specifically with the motorized pot and you can use it with um, any capacitive touch circuitry you've got to like uh, Arduino or CircuitPython or MicroPython. Um, it, the knob itself doesn't do anything, it's just conductive plastic, but it means that you can actually have that conductive signal go from the body uh, through the potentiometer into the little nub below. So it's black, not silver, but it's still conductive. And then um, the start of the show that we've got is a new Pi Cowbell. Um, so I've been releasing a bunch of these Raspberry Pi Pico um, like add-on boards. For Feather, we've got Feather Wings. For Pi Cows, we've got Pi Cowbells. That's the winner of the naming contest. And this week, it's the Can Pi Cowbell. Because uh, we've been doing a lot of CAN bus stuff. And uh, folks like to use CAN bus for automation, for connecting to automotive, uh, for robotics. Uh, it's a really great sensor node platform for if you don't need wireless, you just want to have two wires for data and they're um, differential, so it's really good in high noise environments or for very long distances, whereas I squared C and UART don't do very well for uh, long distances. So um, this is the same size and shape as a Raspberry Pi Pico, except it's got an MCP2515 and uh, an NXP um, CAN transceiver and you know, protection diodes. Um, using SPI, you connect to the MCP2515. It's an SPI to CAN bus converter. There's library code for like every single platform. So there's definitely Arduino, CircuitPython, and MicroPython um, support. And um, on Arduino, we connect to the default SPI port. In CircuitPython, you're going to have to tell it, hey, I'm using pins 18, 19, and 16. And then you just use chip, uh, the chip select pin on pin 20, the interrupt pin on 21. Uh, you can see there's jumpers kind of on the top left there where you can cut those if you want to uh, change which pins you're using because, you know, 20 and 21 are conflicting with something. 
Um, but otherwise, we kind of make sure that all of our cowbells don't have intersecting numbers, so you don't have to. Uh, you can basically stack them up with stacking headers all you like. This comes with a terminal block ready to go uh, with low and high signals and ground in the center. We also popped in a Stemma QT port, so if you want to like make a sensor system that uses Canvas and you want to plug and play our Stemma QT sensors, it's very easy. Um, this works with both the Pico W and the Pico Original. Um, we do have it come with plain headers, but uh, I do want to note that we recommend checking out whether you want to use stacking headers or socket headers because depending on whether you want the Pico on the top or the bottom and like what pins and buttons you want to have access to, um, you might want to put the cowbell on the top or underneath or sandwich it. So I uh, do check out the stacking headers and um, the pin headers we've got and different varieties and forms. We've got skinny ones and tall ones and, and all sorts. Uh, for that cowbell and then um, more cowbells on the way this is a, a cowbell party um, but uh, you know any kind of canvas interface um, you want to use uh, especially for people who I know want to make Wi-Fi or Bluetooth um, can interfaces they want to have like something connects to a car and then Bluetooth the data away or Wi-Fi the data away from the car or robot uh, stack this on top of a Pico W and you're ready to rock and that's the new products. New, 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 new. Okay, while y'all put some questions up in Discord data for it slash Discord, we're going to do some top secret. Uh this week on Top Secret, let's play a couple videos and then you're gonna talk about one of the Things that you're working on and more. I'll try. Oh, lady, what is this? These are some rev bees of my uh, Pico Bell with DVI output. Uh, this has a mini DVI output port and stem IQT, and it goes on a Pico or a Pico W. Um, and we've already tested it with the Pico, and it works great using uh, either Arduino or uh, now with uh, Scott's fancy new build, CircuitPython. But what if you're like, hey, I want to use my Pico W, right? So you want to use your board that has like the Wi-Fi chip on the inside? Well, you can. This is the Pico Bell with DVI output plugged on top of my, uh, like it's literally my Pico W. It's got the antenna and everything. And then over here, it's got Wi-Fi output and uh, got the um, REPL working and it can connect over Wi-Fi and use SSL and get data. And this is the monochrome mode output. So you can see... I think once it's done, it'll print out how much memory is left over, and it's about like uh, 50 kilobytes. Yeah, so about 53 uh, K. Early data, what is this? This is the Adafruit Can Pico Bell. So this is a cowbell for the Raspberry Pi Pico. You can use it with the Pico or Pico W, uh, and it adds CAN bus support via the MCP2515 here, and there's a CAN transceiver. And uh, even has comes with terminal blocks pre-soldered. So I'm building a tester. I'm using the Metro ESP32S2 because it has native CAN. So what I do is I use the native CAN on these pins connected through a CAN transceiver, which then um, connects through to the terminal block, and then it like tests itself. So like one CAN bus is on SPI, and one is on native. And let's see if it works. Oh yay! It passes tests, so super fast, and we'll get these into the shop soon. People can add cowbell to their Picos or Pico Ws. 
Alright, Lydia, what's this? Okay, um, this is a design that I just finished, uh, and I like to render the designs because it gives me a good sense of the component uh, locations. So this is actually an old design. This was originally a Metro RP2040 airlift. So where the microSD card was, was an ESP32 that was like Wi-Fi and Bluetooth. But then like the next week, the Pico W came out and I was like, oh man, like probably nobody wants, you know, an ESP airlift based board. Um, but recently I've been doing a lot of tester revisions and it's like, man, I could really use having an RP2040 in a Metro shape uh, with an SD card slot. And I was like, oh, you know, let's be, let me revisit that old design. Pulled off the uh, ESP32, slotted in the micro SD, and we had a couple of extra GPIO because there's so many pins on the RP2040 that it has the SDIO pins connected as well. So we might look at um, it, could be good for like really high speed data logging and or data uh, reading. And uh, you know, another thing I added is it's got both the SWD Classic and uh, over there, my hand's cut off, but it's got the uh, uh, three pin. Uh, debug port that um, is on the Pico uh, H. You have the standard like Pico Probe debug port. Uh, it's got USB-C, QT, reset button. Um, there's a, the boot button and it's the right angle so you can get to the medium when the shield is on. And um, one funny thing is, so D0 and D1 are RX and TX, right, on Arduino. But on modern Metro Arduino shaped boards, you can use them for UART. That's where like, the hardware UART is, but the hardware UART would be D1, D0, not D0, D1. And so there's a little DPD, D switch. You can switch on whether you want the pins to go 0, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, like in a nice pretty order, or you want to use hardware serial and you want it to be in the correct orientation. Or maybe you designed a board and you got the UART pins backwards, right? And just swap them. So uh, it could be very handy. I, I tend to swap the UART pins all Okay, the time. you have something you want to show on the overhead? Yeah. Top secret? Okay, this is a big top secret then. Um, okay, so this is uh, more Bones boards are on the way. Um, so we've got uh, next week's probably going to be the ESP, sorry, the RP2040 CAN, and we did the DVI, and we did um, the uh, RFM, and we did the LoRa, and we did the USB host. And this is uh, Dan Halbert's idea. Um, I think because he was a little tired of uh, so many people use our prop maker feather to uh, feather wing to make swords like uh star wars uh, sabers and we're out of um feather m4s and like it's really hard to get feather rp uh feather nr52840 so he's like why don't we just make a board that's all in one and he i was like that's a good idea so this is the prop maker rp2040 so it's got the rp2040 feather you know all the pins and everything and sensor input it's got accelerometer so uh, it's good for motion detection it's got an I2S amplifier because the RP2040 doesn't have a DAC, but it does have really good I2S support with PIO. And you can play MP3s or WAV files. Um, and it's got uh, these terminal blocks that are going to be pre-soldered in so you don't have to do any soldering. And they're not labeled. Well, they were labeled, but then they got cut off. But it's uh, NeoPixel output with level shifted, uh, 5 volts, I2S output, and one pin for like a switch input like a button for changing modes and then there's a little bit of space so there i made a um this little white stripped header is a servo optional servo header so if you solder in three pins you can plug in a standard servo um and use that for uh you know a small animatronics project so it can be really good for like low props and robotics especially since it'll be basically solder free for a lot of projects you won't need to um do any soldering at all and if you want to there's plenty of feather pins if you want to add more gpio Okay, and that is top secret for this week. Get back in the vault.
Yeah. <laughs> it's no secret that she's teething. Um, okay, let's do some questions. Um, Lady Ada is going to do these uh, live as you type. Okay, your type your questions, questions in the chat, and uh, I'll uh, I'll get you set up here. Oh, sorry, it's so many. There's like eight computers here. There's a lot going on. There's eight, okay. eight computers and three babies. All okay. right. So I think if we scroll up here, scroll. Okay. I think there was a question here. Uh, folks like Baby Ada. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if there was a question. I don't think there's any questions yet, so maybe people can post them. Yeah. There's one. Oh, here's this time travel. Remember this one? Well, that was our first one of our first kits. That was a, a motor shield. Yeah, for the folks that are very popular. Discord does not let you. But what's funny is we revised it because the original. Um, oh, because you wanted to show. Yeah. Well, okay. Uh, you can read uh, read this off. Okay. Uh, will the revised RGB Arduino hat work with the top secret RP twenty forty Metro? Oh, good question. Well, we used the Protomatter library, and I think it will because the RGB pins are in order. And as long as they're in order, um, then the Protomatter library will work. So, yeah, I'm pretty sure it'll work with the RP2040. Good, good question. Okay. Uh, another question. Have you ever tried Kentikios? I have not. Sorry, I don't know what that is. I think it's like a real-time offering system, or maybe it's a Linux distro. Okay, I have a Feather Huzzah that won't start running code until I press the reset button. I created a small program in IDE that displays some info on OLED. I tried pairing the Hazard with a USB, also charged LiPo, but either way, it doesn't start up till I press reset. That is very weird. I don't know. Um, I guess the second question is whether it happens on the second feather. Because if it happens on the second feather, um, then maybe it's something in your code that's like it needs to wait till the power goes up so maybe add a delay at the beginning of your code like maybe it is running but um the power isn't hasn't risen fast enough for your code to be stable so it crashes so add like a delay 100 milliseconds beginning of your main loop and uh of your, your setup code and that that might help can the prop maker i trust go to a 20 watt amp or is it a preamp and recommended it is a, a it's a class d output so it goes directly to a speaker but it's a three watt output and that's pretty loud and i think if you have um a bigger amp you want, you would just run the I2S pins because you can put on money pins. You'd put the I2S connection in other IO pins and then just have our separate 20 watt amp because that's a big ass amplifier. Um, are there any targets that can do native Ethernet not with NEF chip? So um, that's a good question. And no, and there's a really good reason for it. So the reason that native Ethernet usually isn't supported. I think only like the TC maybe has native Ethernet is because even if you have native Ethernet, you still need to have um, the Phi. And so like, it's not like you save that much board space. We still need to have all this, this, the toroidal inductor coils type stuff, the transformers. And then secondarily, um, you need to have SSL to connect to almost anything these days. And when you use um, Wi-Fi chips at the ESP32, they have the SSL stack built in. Or if you use the Pico W, the core has a cell built in. But if you don't, it, it's just very complicated and difficult. And um, a lot of people aren't willing to do it. I think maybe the ESP32 has also a native Ethernet uh, Mac, but you still, again, need a Phi. So I, I just don't see it as often. A lot of people use the WizNet chips because it's just really easy to get going. Um, it doesn't have SSL, but at least, you know, you, you it's all in one and ready to go. Um, there's the fun infrastructure library for logo at graphics, but does Adafruit make a little pen robot that uses it? We don't. Um, 
we i think we if you trade a box you know there's food. there might be future there are other turtle i will say that there is a um because i looked into it there's a large history of people who design turtle bots and then go out of business <laughs> um so we decided not to do one but um it's kind of like when when people argue about open source licenses it's usually right before the end hate to say it yeah it's like there's going to be a magic license that protects everything forever it's not true. getting into like what is like nobody knows yeah. nobody asks anymore like why we don't have 3d printers we design and yeah sell why is there made i think everyone agrees yeah because you just making and selling 3d printers is a terrible business yeah. and that's why we decided not to get into it yeah okay um uh, and then Dan agrees it can be a power problem with the feathering. I agree. I think a delay or like check the if they should use the hardware reset something. Maybe design something else can use a turtle robot. I think I would actually just get it off. We had a couple of cool like micro bit bots. You could run turtle on the micro bit V2 and, and have that do it. Yeah. Um, Every so, social robot. Yeah. Social robots is another one. It's like we're doing social robots. Like, well, you'll have a neat video. Yeah, the demo will be great. And then you'll have a post about your wonderful journey, <laughs> spending more time with the family. Also, drones is true. Yeah, like don't compete against friend, DJI right now. Like, it's like it's like oh, Adafruit should do more robotics, but I have yeah. seen a lot of success with companies that do robotics. It's is yeah. a it's a thing where everybody's like, this is going to be the biggest thing, but then they um, they usually go under after a couple of years. Yeah. All right. It's a big struggle. I mean, don't get me wrong. The robot companies that are out there that are succeeding. No, it's super cool. cool. Very cool. Yeah good for them yeah um Prusa is doing okay but they're one of the ones so they're they decided not to release their files as open source because they well they're I, thinking about or maybe they said they're not going to do it right now right now they're not and so i understand um anyone can figure out you know what makes the most sense for them but i think that and i'm not going to probably have time to do a post it's unclear to me what magical license Prusa could come up with that would protect things that they're worried about because it's just it's not possible just like apple can't stop android phones from making things that look like apple phones and vice versa um anyways uh but there's trademarks can't call it a prusa just copyright you should you know definitely respect the licenses and use the right code however there's no magical license so i think innovating and releasing more things is the best way to go yeah you know what the one, one hot take that we haven't seen yet is someone who's like i'm going to start a hardware company that's like runs on chat gpt well yeah i mean chat gpt doesn't do you can do 3d models stls but it's a little ways away mm -hmm. um okay, anyways okay um, next step could you please create a lily go t display equivalent i don't know what that is but i will look like yeah Sorry, is it that the feather TFT? I don't. Yeah, tell me what specifically it is that of the equivalents that you are looking for. Yeah. Um. Okay. If it was community, so the Apple can't stop Samsung. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, yeah. This yeah. is the thing. There's patents, trademarks, and copyrights, and and that's the the world. And then there's communities that you can build. And my opinion with communities, especially in three D printing, you just have to listen to what people want. You probably have to move really fast and have faster lower cost printers and that's the game no license is gonna you know help you um the best thing to do is release more products that's why we release new software and hardware every product every week we have to and that's the and best way stop us. and the community likes it they're like yeah more hardware okay well don't forget everybody um and also special thanks to today behind the scenes i'm gonna try to operate this uh, as we close out the show yeah. Tell me what to click and I'll click baby it. Foot. See, there's baby, there's baby feet. Yeah. Um, so okay. we're going to 
wrap up here. Yes. And uh, <laughs> it's nine o'clock. We made it. Yeah. An hour. Yeah. Congratulations. And uh, thanks everybody for joining the adventure. Um, we'll see everybody next week. Don't forget the code is cowbell can. Yes, and those cowbells are in the store, and there'll be more cowbells on the way. This has been an Adafruit production. Thank you, everybody. Here is your moment of Zener. Good night.